Welcome to the TV Line Podcast. I'm Editor-in-Chief Michael Asiello. Welcome to the first edition of our 2018 Dream Emmy-themed interview series. Our inaugural guest is the inimitable Alison Brie, who turned in a knockout performance in season one of Netflix's Glow. Alison, welcome. Hi, thanks. I just rewatched the Glow pilot this morning. <sighs> it's such a masterful episode of television. And you are so great in it. And I remember the first time I watched it, I was so taken by your performance. And I think the first thing that struck me was just how different and how much of a curveball it was for you. And for someone who just enjoys, like I'm already a fan of yours, but then to see you stretch like this and do something so completely different, I was excited for you. And I was thinking she must be having the time of her life. Oh my God, absolutely. And I so appreciate you saying that because that was sort of the main thing I was thinking about coming out of Community and Mad Men for years and being really recognized for playing those characters, even though I feel like I was always doing little movies here and there and things like that. And to me, those two characters were very different from each other in terms of my approach to playing them and the time periods and all these different things. But uh, you realize very quickly as an actress how how roles can be easily reduced to one or two uh, adjectives and like those two. It was just like I just was sort of known for playing sort of prissy women buttoned up, uptight or so. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. These sort of like type A uh, things. And then I took some time took like a year kind of looking at two different cycles of pilot season and uh, reading a lot of different shows, just reading everything. Were and you like, getting offered like tons I, of stuff? Because I seem to remember during one of those pilot seasons, like there was a list of actresses that were like everybody was going out to first. <laughs> I was getting I was getting offered some network comedies. I was right. getting offered some network comedies. And uh and they were really funny, but they didn't seem like completely new ground for me to cover. And the roles were just sort of similar. They felt like a grown-up Annie from Community, like kind of zany and cute and, uh, you know, funny. But I just wanted to stretch in a little bit of a different way. And like part of that goal also, I think, was looking really different. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was thinking maybe... I mean, I was looking on the film side and on the TV side as well. So I was kind of like, maybe there's a movie where I can dye my hair blonde and you know what I mean? Or something like that. And then Glow came along. And when I read it, I was just like, oh, my God, this idea is so crazy. And why hasn't anyone thought of it before? And it sounds so funny. And I'm glad. I mean, hearing you talk about the pilot episode, I love it so much. And that's the only thing I read. You know, everything. You're just reading the pilot uh, before fighting exhaustively for the role and the pilot just had everything like an actor's dream in terms of flexing every muscle and it it was very moving and I thought it was very shocking with like the reveal that happens between these two friends Mm -hmm. and that seemed like a this thing that Ruth does this horrible thing she does to her friend was like a signal to me that she was an interesting and exciting character and very flawed and you know Just you also get to see her fight really hard for things, but also be in a really low, dark place, be very submissive to her friend Debbie, even when she's like asserting herself in front of all of these strangers or with the casting director and things like that. And there were like really comedic moments. There were really heartfelt moments. And then 
it ended with wrestling, which just was another thing that I, you know, I'm a super physical person. I've been training with my trainer for years. And that was another thing that was just like a box. I never thought all these things would be checked in the same project, but I was just actively looking in all different realms of performance to go, and where could I showcase that like, I'm a pretty physical person and I could move. Never in the realm of possibility would I have imagined that to be showcased through wrestling. But again, it was like everything I never knew I always wanted. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Oh, my God. And then once I got the part, it was all about, you know, me wanting to cut and perm my hair. Of course, now after shooting two seasons, I'm like, I guess I'm just going to have a perm forever. (laughs) (laughs) Like once a year for hopefully for many years. Could have just I was like, wow. And that was people keep asking me about it. Hairdressers are always like. God, so they're just going to make you do this every year. And I'm like, I mean, I should point out it was my idea and my (laughs) my decision. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely brought in photos of Sigourney Weaver and pictures from Flashdance and things like that. And was like, this is what it should look like. And they were like, yeah, if you want to do that, great. So you fought for the role. And I'm curious about this. And I wonder, was part of it, I mean, Ruth is described in, in the pilot and is in the pilot average and plain and those are not adjectives I think anyone would associate with you well partly because of <laughs> Roseanne and community where you were sort of the you know you yeah. were anything but mad men and community I'm sorry what did I say Roseanne oh my and god community. Both, so you know why I said Roseanne <laughs> I do Roseanne is on my brain today because the show is just canceled I'm so sorry I'm we never were talking about it for my work on Roseanne so this <laughs> is Becky really number special three. to me Becky number three um they so never anyway. aired that episode <laughs> Um, no, no, no. They, yes. I agree. I think that Ruth was described as unconventional was like the main adjective about yeah. her. And that is not the first word that people would attribute to me. I seem like the girl next door. So again, it was sort of another signal to me that pushback was like, oh, this is why this is the role I want to fight for. Because I that's what I was hoping is to change people's minds about me and kind of uh, just broaden and expand what people had in their minds, their image of me. But it definitely was a battle. And a lot of that has to do with me having a really great team. Like a lot of that fight happened in phone calls that I will never know the details of (laughs) happily uh, between my agents and the casting director and all these things. But like, it was interesting because in terms of what we're talking about, like offers or, or reading things, you know, there was some, there was another show I was talking about maybe pursuing. And I kind of at the last minute was like, you know, no, let's pass on that. I want to wait for Glow. And my agents were so nervously Mm. like, well, we can't um, promise you Glow, but then this show is, here it is. And I was just like, well, I'd rather fight for Glow and not get it and then wait for something else that is inspiring me as much as Glow. Mm. Like Glow had just set the bar at a certain place. And then again, hearing, so that it was like a call a few weeks later, cause I was like, when is this audition gonna be? I'm ready for my Glow audition. <laughs> and my agents were like, we're having a little pushback. And then when I went in for Jen Houston and bless her for like agreeing to have me in for a pre-read, which was a bit of a culture shock for having come from getting offers for things and working on TV for seven years uh, to being like, well, I guess you can come in for a pre-read with the casting director on tape. But I was like, great, great, let me come in. And when I came in, Jen Houston was like, they didn't want to see you, but it's really not a big waste of my time to put you on tape. So here you go. And uh, 
I mean, I had been preparing for weeks, like waiting for this audition. And by the end, you know, we put we put me on tape and it's all the big scenes from the pilot. It's like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and her audition in the very first opening scene and the fight with Debbie in the ring. And uh, and then there was like just some improv in a Russian accent before I even knew that that was definitely going to be the wrestling character on the show. And we taped on a Tuesday afternoon. And like that night they were like, okay, the producers will see you tomorrow. Oh, wow. And then I had to audition two more times with Betty Gilpin. It was like a real roller coaster because I was so invested in getting the role and just felt so connected to it. In, in like a crazy way that you shouldn't allow yourself to feel as an actor auditioning for parts because you know you're going to get hurt if you don't get it. Yeah. Like you try to keep a bit of distance from it. Distance, yeah. yeah, and detachment. And with this, I just could not. I would go into rooms with our producers who now I know their awkwardness well and I love them for it. At the time, you're just doing these comedic scenes to a wall of silence. And I would get in my car and just sob like, <laughs> it might not happen. And... Then I would come back in like so eager and desperate. And it was like talking to them after they're like, you were just morphing more and more into Ruth. Like at first we just thought, oh, that's not who we pictured at all. And by the end of your audition process, we couldn't unsee the character in you. And I was like, ha ha. It sort of <laughs> I did it. paralleled a little bit what Ruth did in the pilot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I would say it's kind of the only time that desperation can work to your advantage <laughs> as an actor auditioning. Like usually you're supposed to really seem cool and detached and like you don't care if you get the part and definitely anytime I came in I was like what else would you like me to do I will do anything you want like <laughs> please 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 when I saw you about a month ago at a four-year consideration event for glow we talked a little bit about the relationship between Debbie and Ruth and how I feel like that's the love story the central love story of the show and I love absolutely that dynamic so much and it was heartbreaking in the like I already loved that dynamic that when they became estranged in the premiere, I was already upset. I'm That's glad. how quickly <laughs> I was like rooting for the two of them. And I loved the, them as friends. Totally. Um, what was your relationship with Betty like right initially, like when your first meeting with her? It was so easy right away. We both really wanted to be part of this show and we're sort of also trying to not let ourselves fall in love with it too much. <laughs> like we were just like right on the same page. We met in a strange circumstance. They flew me to Toronto because Betty was filming American Gods there. And in my mind, it was like, oh, okay, so we're doing these chemistry reads in Toronto and all the producers were probably be there but that was not the case at all it was just like on a Sunday Betty and I were in an empty casting office with someone who was not our casting director for the show and some casting assistants and Jen Houston on the phone being like hey girls so you're gonna put yourself on tape and just follow your instincts and you're gonna be great <laughs> and then that casting director who was, had Jen Houston on the phone was like good luck left the room and it was just Betty and I alone with these two young <laughs> Like casting assistants um and I was like come with me to the bathroom and then we went to the bathroom together and I was like I think let's just go for it and in the last scene so the last scene of our auditions together was this big fight in the ring at the end that turns into a fantasy wrestling match mm -hmm. I was like do whatever you want to me and she was like okay me too and <laughs> then we just went in and did these scenes it was like I think a relief to us that there were no other girls there there were no other women auditioning for these parts at that time. Right. So we were in this strange bubble of like, okay, oh, it's just you and me. Oh, great. And I think very quickly, then they flew her back to LA and we auditioned one more time for all the producers together. And 
in that week in between those two auditions, she and I were texting each other all the time. We had talked about how we were both listening to this same 80s mix on iTunes to like get in our headspace. And then I was reading a book and I was like, this song is referenced in the book. It's a sign (laughs) and things like that. So I do think it really helped us bond to be auditioning together. We were so invested in each other getting the roles so that we could get the roles. Mm -hmm. It was so easy to act with her immediately. She's such an incredible actress. And I feel like there's just something about us. She and I are so different and so intrinsically our characters that I feel like we just fit together right away. Mm-hmm. And even improvising wrestling before we knew anything about wrestling <laughs> in these auditions, like it just worked. Betty was lifting me up and swinging me around and throwing me to the ground and dragging me across the floor to the point that in our second audition together, our producers were like, "That's stop, 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 that's enough. <laughs> I mean, you're probably gonna get the parts. Please don't injure yourself. Uh, and then we did have very short work. We had four weeks of wrestling training that we've all talked about a lot um, before shooting the show, which was a great bonding time for all the women. But Betty lives in New York and I live in L.A. and we shoot the show in L.A. And so like those four weeks became also for us mm. a concentrated time to really quickly build a super bonded friendship. And it was very easy because we fell in love with each other so immediately. But we also were like... You know, these characters have two scenes in the pilot episode, pretty much, before their entire relationship falls apart. So that foundation has to be there. It's so important that you're rooting for them to get back together, essentially, over the course of the whole season. So, like, we just were hanging out nonstop for those four weeks outside of wrestling training. I, I... took her to a Pat Benatar concert that Melissa Etheridge opened for Pat Benatar. And we ended up just like being so in love with Melissa Etheridge. We bought Melissa Etheridge t-shirts after it was, I was like, this is a Pat Benatar concert. It's going to be totally eighties. We should just go. It's going to be so fun. And then we were both just realizing how many would like, Melissa Etheridge songs we knew, just holding hands, just like, come to my window. I feel like that had a big part of our bonding was like done at that concert. Um, I also love the Sam-Ruth relationship so much. And I I want to talk about working with Mark Maron. Yeah. Uh, What what is that like? Because that's also, it's so, from the instant you can feel, even though there was so adversarial in the pilot, there is yeah. a there is a connection, and you can yeah. feel it. And he sees something in her, even though he doesn't want to admit it. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and I know we're not talking about season two, but not certainly there's more it. things yeah. happening in season two with their relationship that are very interesting and and highs and lows. And uh, so I've been thinking about that relationship a lot, and it's interesting to hear our differing perspectives on it because. Definitely, I think, from Sam's side, there's an awareness of him sort of having an attractive, uh, being attracted to Ruth right away, but also kind of being disgusted by her and annoyed by her. (laughs) And I don't think that side of anything is on Ruth's radar at all. What I love about her as a character, you know, even though she, she sleeps with this guy, you know, she's an adulterer, like, is she an adulterer? Does that, or are you only an adulterer if you're cheating on your... Oh, husband or I, wife. You know what? Let's call you an adulterer <laughs> for the sake of argument. Well, <laughs> anyway, even though like the main issue in the first season is this like sexual encounter that she's had, Ruth as a character is not seeking male attention on a regular basis or even super aware of it, which I think is part of why she's so maddening to Sam because she kind of 
she's never like trying to be sexy for him like the way actresses are for directors Mm -hmm. she just is challenging him all the time I think they're actually really similar in a lot of ways where they don't have a lot going on in their lives their big dream hasn't been realized yet they're older than they thought they would be while still trying to pursue this thing and now they have this I mean everyone on the show is an underdog and is kind of like has found this weird thing where they're gonna try to achieve that success or figure out who they want who they are through this new weird (laughs) forum and I think that Sam and Ruth at their best they they bring out the best in each other Mm -hmm. and you know his pushback to her makes her want to do better versus like Debbie's pushback to her makes her feel really guilty and awful and like she becomes very small and submissive around Debbie and I think that's like their usual dynamic in that friendship versus with Sam when he does it she somehow gets larger and bigger and and has Mm -hmm. the instinct to fight back against him which is what makes that relationship kind of special also I love working with Mark and I feel like on a show and I've just been really lucky because we had this amazing chemistry with the community cast I feel like that was such a fun family and everybody's senses of humor clicked in a really amazing way and with Glow I feel the same with Betty and with Mark in that like we have great chemistry with each other and you can't fake that and also you know Mark and I never read together before we were cast in these roles yeah I had done his podcast before and hadn't sort of seen him since and when we saw each other the first time it was at the table read for the pilot which is the only table read we ever had maybe we did one other one we don't do table reads for this show which is sort of is that because the scripts just aren't ready in time or something (laughs) (laughs) no I think they're totally ready I don't know why I think that it must be something different about maybe the way that Netflix gives notes and they just do it on their own behind closed doors. They right. don't feel like they need Netflix to hear notes. it aloud. I thought you thought creators <laughs> had complete autonomy. Apparently they give really good notes yeah. and everybody's fine with it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, but Mark and I, I mean, I always say about Betty that we have amazing chemistry in the ring and even our like wrestling trainer, Chavo Guerrero Jr. is like, it's true. And he'll talk about the 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 ring chemistry you know as a pro wrestler he'll be like there are guys who you know play faces to my heel and when I see them every couple years I'm like yes I know this is going to be a good match we don't even have to do a ton of work and I feel that way with Betty and I also feel that way with Mark like there is a chemistry there Mm. where there is like a tension or something that makes it easier to just fall into our roles and play them also Mark is great he's a lot gentler than you might expect and it's fun to see him sort of disarmed by being on a set with so many women Mm. he's it's a character i feel like could be so could easily come off as sort of icky and gross but he does he comes off as there's such a sweetness in there yeah and i feel like is his he's he's doing that that performance i think it's a character that he understands very well and Mark is a really self-reflective and transparent person. He will refer to it as no boundaries. Um, but so I think that he he himself has that sense of reflection that Sam doesn't quite have. But because Mark is aware of like who this person is and why he's that way, he can give him a bit more sensitivity and like sadness, really. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... The underlying sadness is what makes him a little bit sweet because he's struggling too. He's not trying to keep the women down. He's just like an insecure guy and they all 
are kind of working towards the same thing. So I'm rewatching the pilot at the gym this morning again, and there's the the scene in the locker room with you and Betty, and mm-hmm. I totally forgot that you're nude in, oh, yeah. in, the, in the pilot totally twice. Totally nude, yeah, I know. And, I was and like, then never again on the show. <laughs> <laughs> and that was also another thing where you're like, ooh, Allison Brie curveball. I don't know that I would have seen that coming. And I'm just wondering, totally. was was that a negotiation for you, or did you were you like initially like whatever it calls for this part, I will do it. Sort of both. I mean, so I had never done nudity before, and that was definitely a very mindful choice on my part. Um, and But I had always been open to it. I'm not a very prudish person. I think I just was like, when it's the right role, I'll know. And I, nothing that I have read or been offered or had an opportunity to audition for at this point had been worth it. Or had even, I was just like... Most things I read, I would be like, I don't understand why this person has to be nude in this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Glow, I think the first side of it was I was so blinded by just wanting the part that definitely before I flew to Toronto to audition with Betty, that's when sort of the talk, that's when the call came <laughs> with my whole team that was like, hey, <laughs> so they want to know that you're okay with this before moving forward. Like everyone in the cast is going to be asked to sign nudity writers and just be open to doing nudity on the show. And obviously those two scenes were written into the pilot, so I had been prepared for that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I I don't have a problem with it at all. I wanna just move forward, we'll talk about it later. Um, it, it, it sort of surprised me how much I didn't care about it. And I think that again just speaks to how much I believed in the material and and, knew who this character was and you know even like hearing secondhand the reasons for them wanting the nudity through my agents and managers you know and hearing just like well they just want the show to feel very real and they don't want people to be having sex in their bra and things like that I I already was like yeah of course that makes sense Mm -hmm. and maybe part of it too was again me wanting to push against this like girl next door kind of wholesome image a little bit like but in a safe Baby space you know <laughs> and then after I got the part I was like before I really sign this contract and this nudity writer I want to get on the phone with our showrunners Liz and Carly and talk to them about it and so then there was another conversation where they just made me feel so comfortable and safe and and also their main point which just really resonated with me too was like this is a show about women's bodies and women using their bodies in a different way and women who are not ashamed of their bodies and we want to just show women's bodies in regular situations like we're not going to hypersexualize them we're not going to exploit you in this you know we want to tell this story in a very realistic way but also like the the way it's funny to me because the way we talked about nudity in that phone call it sort of sounded like it would kind of be a more frequent part of the show. Mm-hmm. But I think that then the way the story went in the first season, there just wasn't as much time as we thought. There would be a lot more scenes like in the locker room with all the women changing. Yeah. And that was sort of the framework for how most of the nudity would be. Like, well, you're going to be in the locker room. We don't have to shoot around boobs when women are changing because women have boobs. And like, we shouldn't be ashamed of them. And also sometimes boobs flop around. And like every time you see a boob, it's not just like perfectly lit and glistening <laughs> with oil. You know, and and I just really like something about that just really appealed to me. And uh, And then, of course, even though it's not used that often, it still is something that on the show I like that 
we're a show that just plays it a little bit fast and loose when it comes to that stuff. And when I say that, I guess I just mean the way they write it in. But it's very much taken seriously before there's anyone even naked in the background of a locker room scene, you know, in season two or whatever. Liz and Carly have all these conversations again. No one takes for granted, like, you all signed off on this, so we can do it whenever we want. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't feel that way. And even the way that the nude scenes are shot in the pilot, I was very happy with the tastefulness of them. And while we were shooting them, I knew it would be because they would come and show me the shot. They would show me the angle. They would show it to me on the monitor. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it felt like I was part of the decision and the conversation and that was empowering an empowering way to experience that i know that a lot of women have not had those kind of experience when shooting nude scenes and do you think part of it is that this is a show that's run by women mm-hmm. so i would imagine conversations like that are much more easy to absolutely have. yes absolutely it is just like it is much more easy and to have a couple women come up to you and be like here but even you know as i say that Yes, I think because it's run by women, it sets the tone in a certain way. You know, Jesse Peretz, who's a man, shot the pilot episode where I do those two nude scenes. But Jesse might as well be a woman. He's worked on <laughs> girls for years. He worked on girls forever. And he's, you know, he's worked with Liz and Carly, I think, before. And obviously, you know, and with Genji. And, like, he would be on set. And, and again, there just was, like, this openness and this comfortability. And my, it was my comfortability, you could tell, was of the utmost importance to everyone. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like, you're an actress doing a job. Do your job. Mm-hmm. You know, it felt like, hey, is this okay? Here's what we talked about. And we're doing that thing. We think that we're doing it. And are you comfortable with it? Like, a real openness to that, which was nice. And I think that that translates into how we work all the time on the show. Liz and Carly are very communicative with everyone so not just about new these scenes. are the creators and the showrunners yes yeah. liz flayhive and carly mensch created the show and they show run the show and uh, jenji cohen is an executive producer she is yeah. yes and um when there are uncomfortable conversations that need to be had they don't shy away from that they're comfortable with having them they don't just like exert a power which i think can be a very male knee-jerk reaction Um, in other circumstances on jobs. And in this case, they're just very open. There's like an amazing lack of ego there that's like, oh, is someone uncomfortable with this scene we're about to shoot? Well, let's have a conversation with them to tell them why we feel like this is an important scene. There's not this ego of like, you're on my show. You're going to shoot my scene. Um, That's not to say that they're ever like changing or altering material, but just like having more information, I think, makes everyone feel more confident going into things that make them nervous. You know, we deal with a lot of, you know, talking about sort of racism and stereotypes on the show. Wrestling is like an amazing forum for that. And certainly 80s wrestling was pushing a lot of boundaries, pushing a lot of buttons. I don't know. It really, really looking at people in a stereotypical way and it was very cool to see the way that Liz and Carly would talk to some of the women on our show to be like, let me cue, you know, like, let me clue you in to some other stuff we're going to do with your character this season so you feel okay about the way that we're going to put this stereotype on your character in episode three, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that is just, it's everything. It makes everyone happier. They're part of the process. More comfortable. Yeah, excited to be part of making this thing together. And they can get behind the message of it when they know what that message is. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I want to just say one thing about the locker room scene where Ruth was naked. And what I feel like that what, that was so effective was it established an intimacy between her and Debbie. The fact that she was totally. just so subtle, too, how she was just so comfortable not even thinking anything of it. Just, just talking. Just robing, talking, the two Getting of them. totally naked. Yeah. It was just, to me, that was like, they are really good friends. You it's know? true. It's true. It's really funny yeah. because Betty and I were out of town together this weekend. and We were in, in our hotel room getting ready to go to a, a friend's wedding, another one of the glow girls. And uh, and I was just like totally naked doing my hair and makeup in front of Betty. And I was like, I feel like you're one of my only girlfriends that I just will stand totally nude in front of. I think I've just been programmed that like, that's okay with you. And she was like, I love it. <laughs> We touched on season two just a, a little bit. Can you say whether there will be a, a thaw in the Debbie-Ruth relationship in season two? There will not be a thaw. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I can confidently say that Ruth and Debbie are are a little worse off when we meet them in season two. I feel like season one, even though they were like not ready to get that drink together there was a little optimism to the mm-hmm. end of the season. They did this amazing match together and they got to sort of acknowledge that they were proud of each other in that moment. Um, in season two, we're kind of realizing that they've just used wrestling as this band-aid to, to mend their friendship, find a way to be together, exist together in the same space, but not actually deal with any of their real issues and not deal with, um, you know, Ruth sleeping with Debbie's husband or anything like that. And so in season two, the repercussions of that action like are still happening. There's greater effects now even. And uh, so Debbie's in kind of a dark place and, and she's really not ready to forgive Ruth anytime soon. And Ruth really takes a lot of shit. Like if you thought she took shit in season one, mm. it's even worse in season two. And, and um you know, we get, we do get to see, we get, I'm trying to think of like the course of season two and we do get to see a little bit of lightness. Like you catch a glimpse of like how, when they're good together, they can be really good. But, um, you also sort of realize that beyond that incident, there were other problems with their friendship and with their friend dynamic that probably existed forever that maybe were the reason for that but maybe not and uh and that will reach a fever pitch if you will in is, season two is the wrestling even bigger and better? the wrestling is bigger <laughs> and better than ever because um, i imagine there has to be a little you have to raise your game in that aspect absolutely. of it so it doesn't feel like oh we saw that move last season mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah definitely the moves are bigger so that's kind of that's how we're upping the ante with wrestling. And I guess there is a bit more wrestling and some unexpected twists in, in our world of wrestling. Um, and that was an interesting part of coming back for season two because it was so fun to learn how to wrestle and it was so empowering and like us realizing our bodies were capable of these incredible crazy <laughs> things. And then we took eight months off of doing it, you know, and came back to shoot. And I rewatched the final episode, episode 10 from season one, before we were going back in to, to, to wrestling training for season two. And I was like, oh my God, like we really, we learned legit moves. Like I kind of was like, will I remember how to do this? I think day one of training for season two, everyone had a bit of nervous, like, oh gosh, here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it just came back. Everyone had that muscle memory. Thank God. I feel like two days in, our our wrestling coach and, and Shauna Duggins, our stunt coordinator, was like, uh, I mean, we were going to just review for the first week, but everyone seems to know everything. Everyone seems to know everything. Let's just jump right into some crazy bigger moves. So that was really fun. And also it was a great reminder of uh, how great we work together as a group of women, the whole cast. Mm-hmm. And when we're between seasons, we all stay in touch on our WhatsApp chain and, and very, you know, and everybody hangs out in like small little collections of, of groups and uh, it continues to be super supportive. But to get back in the ring with everyone mm-hmm. felt so good. And in season one, you know, that was like our way of bonding and getting to know each other. And it was great to that effect. But in season two, it was so much better to come back and already know everyone and then get to jump in the ring Mm -hmm. together was really fun. Uh, If you were a betting woman, would you uh, put money on us getting a community movie at any point in the future? First of all, I'm not a betting woman. I hate betting. Really? Did you really not gamble? Oh, no, I don't gamble. Not even slot machines? No way. Lottery what tickets? What a waste of money. scratch off. Please. No way. Um, uh, I hate to say it. I, I would not bet on there being a community movie anytime soon. I hate to say it. I feel like we all try to play really coy like it might happen. Why, but, why would you say no? Well, first of all, I feel like the, the chance that we would get Donald to be a part of the movie... <laughs> That window slim. is closing. <laughs> it just got slammed shut uh, <laughs> recently. Um, and I feel like there's no movie without Troy, like Troy and Abed, you know, and that whole chemistry and, and relationship. Um and also, there's just no sign of it. Like, I just am mostly saying it because I don't hear any rumblings of it. I feel like not to put pressure on any one person, Dan but it, it would be Dan that would mm-hmm. have to sort of write a script and kind of like get it going. And I don't know, I'm not sure if he's even interested in doing that or, or what. Um, I just want to end by saying I uh, have so much admiration and respect for the work you did on Roseanne. I don't feel Thank like you. I don't feel like you get Thank enough credit. Um, I don't feel like you get recognized enough for that. No, no one brings it up. I mean, it's how I knew that you you could probably be good for Glow. It's your work on Roseanne. Thank it was you. Very Everyone gritty. thinks I'm like a snobby, like I look like someone who grew up riding horses. But my work on Roseanne really showed that I was like grounded, like you know, working class, and people forget. I didn't forget. I never will forget. Thank you. Thanks, Allison. (laughs) Thank you.